Before we get into the word, and um, I am going to read the word this week. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, how many know when you often in church culture when you create. Um, Sometimes when there's an error in church culture, you can create another error by reacting to that error. And in, sometimes in doing that, you, you know, people say, oh, Liam, we, you know, um, you know we, we can't become religious about meeting together. And that's, that's true. We, I don't ever want Sunday mornings to be um, a place where we just... Um, we come to tick. If this is the high point of Christianity, is Sunday morning, then we're we're missing the, we're missing something. This can't be the high point of Christianity, um, but it is a part of, of of life together. You know, Bible talks about don't forsake meeting together. Um, there's the fellowship of the brethren. There's the teaching. There's I mean, I love corporate worship. You know, being together in family and just worshiping God and being in community. And all of those things. And so, um, for those that have been with us for a while and those that have been are new with us, we meet every second and fourth Sunday. And then we meet in homes throughout scattered Thursdays and Sundays throughout um, the other off weeks. And it's been a bit crazy, the schedule sometimes for some people. We understand that. It's been like, where are we meeting? What are we doing this week? <laughs> and um, so we're working. I'm saying all that to say we're about and just working out how to how do we just communicate well um, how we actually um, do this thing called glory city church melbourne and do it well and and have um, just make it as easy as possible for people to to be connected to have um, but also that we never I, I want these sunday mornings to be a time where we come we worship god we encounter god excuse me and um, we hear the word, we share testimonies, we hear about what, what God's doing in our community. And, um, and that it would be like the celebration um, of our week and the celebration of who God is and who, who is, in, is, is in us. And so just because, you know, how many know just because you have a car crash, which I had a couple of weeks ago, um, you, you, don't, you don't not drive again. You just learn how to look up land and uh, drive better, right? And it's the same in church. It's like often we can go, oh, we, we, you know, we, we shouldn't have a weekly service or we shouldn't. So we, it's like you can make anything religious. I mean, you can make reading your Bible religious. You can make worship religious. It can become a religious thing. And so I don't really give a rip what it looks like. You know, it can be in a building, can be in a home, can be in a park, can be... You know, in a little bedroom, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. But that we come with an expectation of, hey, we're going to encounter God this morning. And, um, and so I'm just saying that to say that we're just, just praying about, you know, how we do our glory homes well and how we do this well and how we communicate that well. And um, we're built in the process of building a website that's just a little bit more streamlined. And all those things. So, is that cool? Yeah. yeah. All right. Grab your Bibles. Let's do a random flip and we'll just go from there. No, no I want to say things. 
Sorry, sorry. We'll go to Isaiah 60. We'll put a finger there. and I, um, <clears throat> I want to talk to you guys this morning. It's a message I've shared a little bit, but I probably want to go a little bit more succinct and precise about something. Um, and it's, it's about the kingdom of God, it's, but it's about his glory. And hence, you know, we're called glory city. And so what does the word glory mean? And the glory of God, excuse me for a sec, bubbly water. Um, the glory of God is anything that manifests of the nature of, of God. That's all it means. And so any manifestation of the glory of, of God's goodness, of God's kindness, of God's nature, of God's creation, of God's culture, of God's design, of God's purpose, that is the glory of God. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So we want to figure out what this thing called the glory actually is. It's not just a holy meeting where the glory of God comes and it's, you know, that, that, that's awesome. We, last two Sundays ago, we, we, ha- we had a little bit of that where just the glory of God was very present in the room. And, you know, we just had an extended time of worship at the end. But um, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's more than just a feel-good meeting or God showing up in a meeting. There's actually a reason and a purpose for it. And, and so I want to talk about culture and how we're called. The original mandate for you and I is actually to shape culture and to actually transform culture. And, and, and show you biblically that it's riddled throughout. Uh, you know, Jonah and, and the story of Nineveh is not so much about Jonah as it actually is about Nineveh. It's, it's, it's very little to do with Jonah. It's actually more about a, a repenting of a city and a city being saved, which is pretty cool. And so Jonah obviously was, you know, a part of that, but it was more about Nineveh than it was about Jonah, if I can say that. And so <clears throat> I was pondering this for the last two weeks, three weeks, and, um, and then um, Shen and I and a couple of others were a part of um, just a leadership network of, of a church in America called Bethel, and, um, and they send us prophetic words and books and just different stuff all the time, which is cool. And, um, and so they, they sent us this word that came with a book as I'm pondering this, and it says, glory to glory to glory. This is the prophetic word. And I feel like it's for us as a church, even though it's, it was written to, to, to myself. So, the Lord is inviting you into the expectation of glory. What's next for you? Glory. What's the, pro, uh, what's the prognosis of your health, your finances, and your future? Glory. You are marked by the glory of God, which translates to every area of your life if you will let it. I see him giving you specific declarations that will usher glory into your everyday life. Isn't that cool? So I don't know who wrote it, but I don't even know if they know me or they don't know me or what they know, but I just thought it doesn't really matter. I'm just taking that and that's, that's good. So, so Isaiah 60, let's read and then we'll delve into it. <clears throat> Verse 1 says, Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. 
But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. We'll just pause there. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I love that verse because it talks about, it doesn't say arise and go and then the light might come or will come. It says arise, shine for the light has already come. And it, it, says, that the, it, says, that, it says that the glory of God will rise upon you. And it's talking about, I believe it's talking about righteousness. That the glory of God will actually rise from within you will come up, will rise upon you for you to shine. In Genesis 1, if you go to Genesis 1, I'll just, just, just track with me for a moment and, this, and I'll, I'll knit it together. So Genesis 1, 26. Says, then God says, said, let us... Make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We had a cockroach in our house this morning. Thank the Lord we have dominion over them. (laughs) That cockroach is no more. Um, And God blessed them, verse 28, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. This is, this is before the fall. This is before Adam and Eve sinned. This is before there's an issue called sin that Jesus dealt with at the cross. This is before all of those things. And if we study out the garden and we, we, we realize that God wanted to so partner with humanity to cultivate the earth and subdue the earth and have dominion over it and rule it and cultivate the ground and create culture and create um, a kingdom on earth. Almost sounds like the Matthew 6 prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah? That... That was before sin, and it was to take the ground and, and, and plant crops and, and grow it. And as you grow in, in you know, mass people, as it would be fruitful and multiply, that you would take more ground and cultivate that, and then take more ground and cultivate that, and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth, and do it with God. Right? Does that make sense? And so, uh, and that's before sin. So that to me says that. This was an original plan of God before the sin of humanity came, came into existence, right? And so what happened in the Renaissance era predominantly, um, in the Renaissance era, was that there was such a pushback for um, almost humanism and secularism started to creep into our society and our culture. Before that, really... 
the existence of God was, was not really questioned. It was like, God's real. That's how we're created. We're created in his image. Whether they believed in the way we have relationship with God or not is, is not, you know, not sure. But they just, it was like, yes, God's real. He's the only God. There is no other God. And that's really, we, we can see that a little bit. I mean, obviously there was, there was belief in other uh, religions and other um, areas of, of culture and society. But that was a predominant worldview before the Renaissance. When the Renaissance came in, the Renaissance came in, um, they, they, there started to be this pushback of human, you know, humanism and secularism and God's not real and you're your own God and you make your own path and all of these things. So there was such a fight back from the church to um, argue the point of God's existence and sin and the need for a saviour. Right, there was such a, uh, there was like a doctrinal fight basically over, no, we're sin, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory and we need a saviour. We cannot save ourselves, we cannot do this in our own good works, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are, that doesn't get you into heaven, it, it's about this, the, the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus, right, we, we know that. And so in doing that, there's been, su- and that's probably crept in now to the church, where there's been such a main thing of like, hey, you're a sinner and you need a saviour. And then it's like, cool, now I'm saved and I'm just going to wait till I either die or till Jesus returns and I'll just kind of live my life and make it through my life and I'll actually just do nothing. And I'll just come to church, tick, tick the church box and just hope that we get out of here in a lifeboat one day. You know, that's kind of been the Christian life. Right, and so it's like just tick the church box and do the good Christian thing, and then one day we hope, you know. And then for a lot of the eighties, especially, it was like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, and Jesus is coming back, you know, today, you know, September twenty three, Jesus is returning, and it's like I don't actually, and I mean this in the best way. I know Jesus is coming back one day, but I don't actually want him to return. And I'll tell you why. Because if he returns tomorrow, that make, that's less time for me to win another person to the Lord or another person to know him or to transform culture while I'm alive. And so, so often, we've rem- I think we've removed a part of the gospel. Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would he teach us to pray on earth as it is in heaven if we weren't supposed to transform this planet that we live on? I'm not diminishing salvation at all. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Jesus says that. They're Jesus' words. So you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. But you're born again, not just for salvation, you're born again to transform this planet. To leave it in a better state than we found it. Arise, shine, for his light has already come. Even though the deep darkness covers the earth, deep darkness its peoples, I will bring kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah 9 talks about that in the last days, 
that people will stream to the mountain of the house of the Lord. There was, um, there was this uh, word that was Lauren Cunningham. If anyone knows who Lauren Cunningham is, he was the founder of Youth with a Mission, uh, YWAM. And um, another guy, I always forget his name, David someone. And they both had dreams uh, the same night. And they came together and they said, I had a dream. And Lauren said, yeah, I had a dream too. And they shared the dreams with each other and they were identical. And they were about this. They were about this thing. You might have heard it before. It's called Seven Mountains or Seven Spheres of Influence or whatever. And it was about the transformation of culture and society and about the influence that you and I as Christians, if you're a Christian in this room, that you and I are supposed to cultivate and change the culture and the spheres and the areas of society that we live in. And they were these. They were family, religion, science, the arts, politics, um, government, and meat. Oh, that's under the arts. Or was that the other one? And health. I might have missed one or, or doubled up there, but you get the point. And so they had this dream about the, that, that those areas, they pretty much cover all the areas of our society and our culture, right? And that as, as believers, because, and my whole point here this morning is that Lilydale, Mount Evelyn, Muralbark, Surrey Hills, Ringwood, wherever we are, should look different because we're there. And for so long, the, Christ, the Christian uh, culture has almost been, oh, we want to hide in a bubble and sing Kumbaya and hang out. And, sh- and that's good. There's nothing wrong with the Kumbayas and the sharpening each other and this, this. It's not evil. But it's for a purpose. And the purpose, it, it's in the Old Testament, you touch a leper, you get leprosy. In the New Testament, you touch a leper, the leper gets healed. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. He, he, didn't, he didn't come so that he could take about 12 or 120 people and then retreat into a, you know, a retreat center somewhere and just, you know, hang out and, you know, just, just go, hey, let's just not go out and affect the world. He was like, no, I want to be in the world, but not of the world. Do you see the difference? And so this thing of we call Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, I think we get the salvation part down pretty good, but then is he Lord of our life? Is he Lord of every area of our life? And this, thing, this word called culture, so I was listening to this guy called John Tyson. Has anyone heard John Tyson? I encourage you, listen to this guy. He's an Aussie in New York um, running a church called Church of the City or something like that and just doing a phenomenal job. Got saved in a, the Toronto Vineyard movement and um, was a butcher. And now he's a preacher and a pastor. Amazing. He says this, he says, culture is the beliefs and the behaviours, the language, the artistic expression and an entire way of life. Culture is derived from the Latin word clara or clara, I don't know how to pronounce it, 
meaning to plow out or till something is at the center that something is at the center and then everything else revolves around that so we all have culture <laughs> We all have a culture. Our family has a culture. Your workplace has a culture. You play, you know, your friendship group has a culture. Church has a culture. And culture is that. It's the center of something, which is Jesus. He's the center. And then from that, all the other expressions are formed. That we till out and we are, the culture is the beliefs and the behaviors that happen around that are you awake okay (laughs) the political spirit won't change a nation the kingdom spirit will i'm not against politics but jesus said beware of the leaven of pharisees and the leaven of sadducees The pharisaical spirit is the religious spirit and the Sadducees is the political spirit. He brought a kingdom that functions, that thinks, that operates, that responds completely counterculture to the world that we live in. So we're in this tension of I'm in the world but I'm not of the world. So how do I bring the kingdom of that world into this one in my family in my workplace in my um, friendship circles in my church community that 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 how do i position my heart in such a way that the center is jesus and my whole life revolves around that and my expression my language my my artistic creativity um you know solomon the Queen of Sheba came to check out how he laid out the knives and forks in the temple. I mean, that's, that's weird, right? But that's what she did. And I wonder if, if a lot of our, our mindset has been, well, it doesn't really matter what happens here. Let's just get people born again. And I'm like, yes, let's get people saved so they can encounter the love of God and know the father that created them and the father that loves them and I'm not that's we need that we want that that's such a part of it but they're saved from uh, if you go to turn with me to Hebrews 6 Hebrews 6 verse 1 it's oh, I've got it here therefore Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So we leave from dead works and then faith towards God. Dead works, faith towards God. So it's from dead works, faith towards God. We're saved. It's now like, cool, I'm in the kingdom. How can we express the culture of the kingdom? It's a narrow road in. There's only one way to G- there's only one way to God. It's through Jesus. There's not multiple ways. If there were multiple ways, then Jesus has a bone to pick with his father. But he said, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. And he didn't take the cup. So there is only one way to, to God, and it's through Jesus. But then once we're in the kingdom, it's like, 
yeah, boy, game on. <laughs> it's like there's, 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 an adve- there's this massive thing called the kingdom that we get to express and show the rest of society and culture what it looks like in every area. So let, let's, just, let's just take like the arts, for example. Creativity. I'm, I'm, I'm longing, and let me illustrate with the arts. What we've so often done is we've taken a secular thing and tried to superimpose Christianity on top of a secular thing and call it Christianity. And it's like, oh, we just like Christian songs sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, they're good, but... <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's like Christian movies. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, they've got a really good message, but gosh, they're corny. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, oh, man, you know? And it's like, so wait, I'm, not, I'm not poo-pooing that, by the way. Just, like, hear my heart in it, right? <clears throat> how, do we make, how do we make the best movies that aren't Christian? You hear my heart here. It's not, I'm making a Christian movie. I'm making a movie that has a kingdom culture and a kingdom background and it shapes the way that people think. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the way people see the world now is through movies, through screens, through, you know, how, so how do we do this? How do we, I don't have, I'm just, I'm just provoking. I don't have all the answers for it, but I'm just provoking us to go, uh, you know, how do we, oh, I run a business. Okay. You know, Electric, electrical business or plumbing business or a building business or a cafe or whatever it is, it's like it, it's, it's just a cafe or it's just a plumbing business, but how do I make it kingdom? doesn't mean everyone in there has to be Christian. It just means how does it have a kingdom culture that actually because we're here, our city and our region look better and are better and they, it shapes the way we think and do life. And you might be like, well, Liam, what's the eternal significance of having a plumbing business or having a cafe? It's like, I, I, I don't know, but he told us to go and subdue the earth. And people are supposed to live and make a wage. He said, be fruitful. That's the actual expression of cultivating society and culture. And then he said, and multiply. That's recreation of families, which a lot of you in this room are doing well. So good job. So be fruitful and multiply. The multiplication part is recreating of humanity. The being fruitful part is cultivating the land so that the kingdom of God actually gets to be expressed in every area of those seven mountains, politics, arts, business, family, that's what God wanted with the house of Israel. He wanted one nation to show the rest of humanity how to live, how to do family, how to do finances, how to do business, how to do economics, how to do you know, health in life. He wanted one nation to show the rest of humanity how to do it. Check this out. Turn with me to 1 Peter 2.
verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Read that again. Holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. That we get to proclaim his excellency in every area that we are a part of. Do you know in America there's only 1% of people that are in in the Christian church, there's only 1% of people that are in vocational ministry. So out of like, I don't even know the figures of how many people are in America. Call it, call it, you know, not a 10 million. Call 10 million people that claim to be Christians or in church. Only 1% of them are actually in vocational ministry. We have the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the saint, uh, evangelist to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Ministry is not pulpit. This is not the high point of Christianity. The high point of Christianity is I get to know my father and I get to represent him to the world around me. That's the high point of Christianity. That's it. It's a very simple gospel. It's deep and profound, but it's very simple. I get to know God and I get to make him known. And I get to proclaim his excellencies in every area that I get to to lay my hands on. There are worship pastors who should be out in the playing gigs in pubs and transforming that culture. And there are people who are in pubs that should be on worship stages. There's not, it's not one or the other. It's not, one's not better than the other. It's just whatever God's telling you to do in that season. Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, um, I will build the church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And now I've given you the keys of the kingdom. So it's his job to build the church. It's our job to extend the kingdom. Often we swap roles with Jesus and we wonder why the kingdom of God's not being extended and we wonder why the church isn't growing. Maybe because we're trying to build the church and he's, and he's like... Guys, I've, I've actually asked you to just extend the kingdom of God. It's a good thought, isn't it? So why is this important? I wonder, I wonder if our mindset would shift from... In our work, people often used to say to me, Liam, you know, I just, I just can't wait um, to the day that I, I can just be full time in ministry and just preach the gospel on the streets and, um, and get paid to do that. And, you know, and, um, and that can be my job. 
And I'm like, why don't you just do it now and then wait for God to promote you if that's what he wants you to do and just do it in your workplace because that's where he's got you. And he's like, oh, that's a really good point. (laughs) You know, people that are like, oh, I want to be generous. I'll wait till I have a lot of money. It's like, nah, just trust me. That ain't going to (laughs) work. It's not about the amount of money. It's about the generosity of your heart. The woman with the alabaster jar, Jesus proved that. He's like, this isn't about how much money, the widow's might. It's, it's not about the amount, it's about the attitude of the heart. But everywhere we see Jesus, he loved to hang out with sinners. He loved to hang out with people who were, who were broken, who were in need of something. But he also was okay with hanging out with wealthy people. He was okay with hanging out with people who are of high influence. If you don't believe this is in the scriptures, I'd like to propose to you that Daniel and Joseph had a lot to do with how the culture was shaped. Because Daniel, Daniel learnt to love an evil man and he changed the nation. And I, what, I'm, what I'm provoking in you guys this morning, hopefully, is that there would be some, like there are, there are I don't want to, I don't want to just, I don't want to name anyone, but I, <laughs> there are people in here, there's, Stuff in your heart that you haven't had, maybe you have have been shut down or hasn't been able to be expressed in a church environment. And so you're like, I don't really have much to offer for the church. And it's not about that. It's what you can transform for the kingdom of God and how you can shape culture. There are creative people in this room who I believe songs, I believe movies, I believe um, just artistic expression and ideas for business and economics and social um, problems out in the world. There are people in this room that have solutions because they carry the kingdom of God. Daniel didn't bow to Nebuchadnezzar And when the time was called upon, he, he gave the best. You know, Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, this man is better than all the witches and warlocks and soothsayers in this area. And he was called a soothsayer. He was called, basic, it was basically our clairvoyant. That, that was what Daniel was called. Daniel was like, oh, you're a psychic reader. And Daniel wasn't like, no, I'm not. I'm a Christian and I love, I love God. Don't, how dare you call me that? He was like, oh, well, that's what they want to call me, but... I'm not going to bend my knee to that. I'm just going to continue to show them what the kingdom of God looks like. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, we're going to worship the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And a whole nation changed. Amazing. They say, historians will say that the, uh, the wise men came from, from Babylon. They were probably descendants of Daniel that he trained up to be a stargazer. It's pretty, pretty accurate, I think. So, isn't that cool? So, turn with me to one last verse, Isaiah 61. So, rise, shine, for your light has come. What does it look like? I'm just going to use Lilydale. What does it look like for Lilydale, for Mount Evelyn? 
I love the story of, of Samuel and, and Saul. When Samuel's a prophet and Saul comes looking for donkeys. And they, they're in the town. It's in uh, 1 Samuel 9, I think. And they said, hey, why don't we go up to a man of God, a seer, and find out if he knows where our donkeys are. And then Samuel tells Saul, you're about to become king. He tells Saul everything that's in his heart, the Bible says. What would it look like? I don't really care. You guys know this. I don't care which church or the church as a whole would capture this heart. What would it look like if education and politicians and government and health areas went we're looking for some donkeys we're looking for something we don't know what we're looking for but there's this church down the road that seemed to uh, be doing something they're shining a light in our city and in our region and maybe we want to partner with them Now, here's the trouble. Often when this is preached, people are like, oh, you want to rule the world. No, I want to care for the world. I don't want to dominate, I don't want to dominate the world. I want to look after it. And because Glory City Melbourne is here, this city should look better. The poor should be looked after. The widows should be taken care of. The, the education system should be thriving. The housing market should be steady. It should look better because we're here. Because we have a kingdom of God that transcends the understanding of this human, human, human world. I don't have the full answers to all of this, but I'm provoking us. Because I don't, this isn't like, people often say, oh Liam, you know, we should, we should, be, um, we should be looking after the poor more. Or we should be doing this more. And I'm like, cool, are you doing it? They're like, oh no. I kind of expected that like the 1% would just do that. <laughs> they don't say that, but I'm just being cheeky. <laughs> and and it's, I just don't want, I, as it, it's been real, I just don't want 20% of people doing 80% of the work for this thing called church. I want 100% of people doing 100% of the work in this thing called the kingdom of God and transforming our region. There's people in here, you have solutions, you have ideas, you have visions, you have plans, you have dreams that need to be actually expressed in here and outside. It's not one or the other, it's both. It's what I live for. It's so good. So this is what happens. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So the spirit of God comes upon a person for a reason. To bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourning to comfort all who mourn, this is Isaiah sixty one, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. 
that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now listen to the reason. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. The oaks of righteousness get planted to rebuild ruined cities. Robin, who's not here this morning, but she's done a whole study on the history of the church in Lilydale. You watch, you know, BCV shut down, Word Bookshaw shut down, a whole bunch of Christian activity shut down in Lilydale. And on my watch and why we're here, that's not okay. We're going to reclaim the ground that the enemies tried to take. Because this isn't just a tickle our ears so we can feel good about our Christian walk on Sunday morning. This is a place we come and celebrate him, but we get sharpened to go out there and love our city. And that can be as simple as you're at the cafe, tip the waiter. I know we don't do that here in Australia, but try it. Graham's like, amen. Don't be the stingy Christian that's like, oh no, can you do it for me cheaper? Go, oh, I'll pay you more. I love doing this. I haven't done it for a while, but I drive through Macca's drive through Yes, I do eat McDonald's sometimes. Um, I know, health food. I'm preaching on culture transformation. I can't talk about that. Um, and I, I'll, I just say, hey, can I just pay for the person behind you? And they're like, do you realize their meal's $52? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Poof. And then I drive off and I'm like, tell them that God loves them and just bless them. And I drive off slowly as they pull up to the next window and they're like. And I'm like, cool, just drive off. No, I don't, I don't need to like, you know. It's just changing the atmosphere. They, there's a story of this happening in Bethel, in Reading, where one, they have drive-through cafe. There you go, Graham. There's an idea for it. Drive-through cafe, um, and in Starbucks, terrible coffee. Uh, and they they um, they would drive through the drive-through, and someone paid for their person behind them. Same thing. They paid for the person behind them. Then the next person drove in. He was like, "Oh, that's a great idea. You know, bless them or whatever." paid for the next person behind him. This went on for like seven hours or something crazy, like a whole day. It went on and of people just blessing that, oh, I'll pay it forward. I'll, I'll pay it forward to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. What, what happened? The person that was first carried a kingdom culture. They set the atmosphere and the environment. And when they came into it, they just decided to be generous as well. Just something shifts when we're generous. Something shifts when we love well. Something shifts when we start to think, on, this isn't just a bless me club so that one day I can go to heaven. This is a how can I get heaven to cultivate on earth in every area of society and culture. All right. And we get to rebuild the ancient ruins. We get to rebuild the former devastations. And it's God's desire that we would cover the earth with his glory that he would cover the earth with his glory as the waters cover the seas how does he do it christ in you the hope of glory 
Christ inside you is the hope of the glory, the manifestation of the kingdom realm being expressed in every area of culture and society. That's how he does it. He does it with you. It's the original plan. Be fruitful. Be multiply. Multiply. Be multiply. Multiply. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. I'm all for salvations. I'm all for the miracle meetings, the healings. The I'm all for that and I, I want that. We're having a worship night, by the way, on Saturday the 6th of July here at, uh, at 5.30. Um, we're going to just spend a, a, length, a more lengthier time just in worship. There'll be no message or anything like that. It'll just be worship and prayer and we won't have chairs. We'll just bring your bean bags or whatever you want to do. And I believe that. I believe in that. We need that. We need those times of coming together, of filling up, of, uh, you know, of being aware of the presence of God and just sharpening each other and all those things. We need that. It's good. It's a good thing. You know, I have family dinners. You know, we have, Shen and I have just special time together and we need that with God. But it's for a purpose. It's to know him and to make him known. And the spirit of God was that came upon the disciples in Acts 2. I'll close with this this final thought, and I will close. Um, My wife's in the room. She'll hold me to it. Um, The Spirit of God came, and they immediately went out. The Spirit of God came upon them to preach, to set captives free, to release prisoners. Jesus called them his apostles. And that word, I've shared this here before, but for anyone that's new, that word apostleship or apostle was a word that the Romans took and they would conquer a city and instead of um, killing the people in the city, they said that's not really working too well. So let's conquer a city and let's then train that city how to live like Romans do. It's where we get the term, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So they would send an apostle ship, they would send a fleet and a martyr, they would have an apostle ship, and it was their job to go into that city that was conquered and cultivate through arts, through politics, through family, through science, through belief, through culture, for them to live like Romans. So it was a secular word that Jesus took and he says, you're my apostles. You're my apostles. I want you to go and take heaven and show the rest of society how to live like heaven on earth. How to do family well how to do marriage well, how to raise your kids well. I encourage anyone with kids to get along to Seth Dahl. He's one of my favorite. Danny spent a bit of time with him, and, and uh, he's amazing. He's one of the best. <clears throat> Why don't you stand?
I really believe that there are people in here who are called to shape culture. And I, I heard that word this morning, culture shapers. There are culture shapers in this room. I, I, wanted, I wanted just to give a little bit of biblical context to it. But also to provoke us. That we get, the moment we get born again is the moment we enter full-time ministry. Surprise. <laughs> Welcome to the family. <laughs> and often, it's a fine line. Often, I was talking about this with a friend during the week, but it's, it's a fine line between, and this is probably me being very, very vulnerable and, and I, I want you guys to, keep me to account to this and our team and, and everything. I love equipping. I love equipping the saints. I love equipping people. I love it. I, I just, I love it. I, I believe God has called Shen and I to plant this church with the team that we have and people here. And um, I, I just recently resigned from Youth for Christ a couple of weeks ago or a month ago now. Time's flying. Because I believe after the conference, God spoke to me about what he wants to do here and what he wants to do in this, this group of people and this region. And my time was just divided. It was nothing to do with Youth for Christ. They, they're beautiful people. We're still doing a lot of stuff with them and um, still heavily involved there. And, and um, Andrew's over in Canada at the moment doing the Jesus School over there with Mark Greenwood. And Liz is on the board at YFC and... and um, we love youth for Christ, but it, for me, it was my time was so divided between the two, and I didn't have the brain capacity. And I said, "All right, God, what is it that you want to do?" And He, he just said, "I just want you to lay this down, and um, and really focus on cultivating that this thing called culture at Glory City for us to reach our region and our city." And and um, and so that was for me. That was a personal thing for me that God spoke to me about. And I, and I believe there are, there are, I'm saying that to say there are people in this room that I wanted to provoke this morning for, for, for us not to, because what we can do, this is what I was saying, the fine balance, is what we can do is, um, as ministers of, in the church, we, we find the tac- a guy that's really good at accounting and we're like, oh, could you do the books for me for accounting for the church? And it's like, Actually, the question should be, what's God called that person to be doing? Because they might need to be an accountant out in the world, transforming the accounting world. Now, that just bores me to tears. But there are people out there who that's what God has called them for, for that season and that time. That might not always be that way. But David was a looking after sheep for 14 years before he was king. And so I just wanted to um, light that fire inside of some people that arise and shine for your light has already come, that there are people in here who you have got a dream or a passion or a something to change culture and change society and stop looking, I mean this in the good way, stop looking to what's next and just focus on what God's got you doing right now and do that with excellence and proclaim his excellencies and wait for him to speak for the next move to come.
All right? When you close your eyes, I just want to, I just, I just feel to do this. It wasn't a salvation message, but if there's anyone in here that doesn't know this God we're talking about and you'd like to, you want to know him, you want to have an intimate, personal relationship with God, you don't want to just know about him, but you want to know him. If that's you, I'd love you just to raise your hand and we'd love to pray with you. If there's anyone in this room that would love to do that and commit their life to God, they've been a sinner, now you want to come home to God and give your life to Jesus and get to know this relational Father that we love so dearly. If that's you, I'd love to throw your hand up. I'm the only one that's looking around. Awesome. The rest of you, just put your hands out in front of you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you have already come. Your light is inside of us. You have called us to be the light of the world. You've called us to transform culture. You've called us to subdue the earth. You've called us to take care of this thing called the planet, that you've given this planet into the sons of men. And God, I pray there'd be an awakening, a stirring in people's hearts of every area to do family well, to do, to do kingdom business, to do kingdom finance, God, that all the businesses that are represented in this room, God, I pray they would just flourish. They would flourish, God. They would prosper in every area, that even ideas that people have, God, you'd spark the creativity to life, that you'd, you'd just start the creative juices in people's minds and hearts, and you'd give people just kingdom creative ideas, kingdom expressions, kingdom um, uh, outworkings of their faith, that from dead works towards God, that there'd be an outworking inside them, that you'd stir the, the gifts that are within them up. And I just, just hear the Father saying over everyone, all your gifts and all your callings are yes and amen. They're yes and they're amen. The desires, the way you're wired, the way you dress, the way you look, it's, it's good. It's God. It's, you, you're the only person that looks and expresses the way you do and you express the nature of God. And it's a beautiful thing. You cannot be another, there cannot be another you. And so I just affirm, I just affirm, I just especially affirm, I just feel like to affirm the creatives in this room. The creatives just affirm you. I just affirm you that your creative gift is of God. And you're going to write songs. There are people in this room who are going to write songs that aren't going to be Christian corny songs. They're going to be songs that transform and, and are on radio and just influencing the world uh, through music. Jesus' name.